Yo. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Blood and Fire Radio Podcast. This is David. What's up, everybody? It's been a busy week for me, but so far so good with being on time with the episode. Anyways, yeah, this week has been interesting because, uh, you know, we in Krigsgrove are kind of always writing, and we've already got enough songs for the next album that we feel are good songs. We've got a lot of other little scraps, uh, you know, beginnings of songs, random riffs and stuff as well, but we have uh, around eight uh, pretty much complete demoed songs, um, but we always like to kind of have a surplus to work with and just listen through, you know, all of this complete songs that we have and just pick the very best ones. So, Justin, on Monday, just kind of out of the blue, said, Hey guys, I have a challenge for you. He's like, I want each of us to write a song, start to finish, from scratch. Let's not use any old riffs that we have sitting in the bank that we're trying to figure out how to use them. Let's try to just create something from scratch. Um, and so that's not collaboration, it's Every each of us is individually writing our own song, start to finish, demoing the song, and presenting it by the end of the week, by Saturday, basically. So by the time you hear this, it'll be Sunday evening or Monday or whenever. But uh, yeah, just know that uh, Justin, Cody, and myself have basically uh, thrown together <laughs> some songs. And uh, we're presenting presenting them to each other uh, tomorrow, so uh, very excited to kind of hear what we came up with because uh, the idea is that maybe that kind of pressure and deadline and spontaneity of it all might actually kind of produce some cool stuff, which is, we've never really done this before. So yeah, we were up for the challenge and uh, very curious to hear what the other guys came up with and see if it's something that we want to, you know, add to the pile of songs. So yes, uh, even though I've been busy with all of that crap, I still managed to pull it together for episode 121. So, let's kick things off here. Excellent band out of Austria, Belfagor. They've been doing it since 92. Uh, They've always had some kind of, you know silly lyrics from time to time. I mean, it's all very satanic and all that, but uh, since English is not their first language, they do kind of make some um, <laughs> some grammar blunders and things with some of the words they use that are kind of amusing. But um, say what you will about, you know, their aesthetics or the lyrics or things like that. They're an excellent black death metal band. Um, they kind of have the same formula from album to album, but still manage to keep it fairly fresh. They still always sound like Belfagor. But uh, yeah, they've always had really solid um, releases. And their last album uh, came out five years ago. It was their 11th record. And um, it had Simon Schilling um, on drums, and he was outstanding. It was the, you know easily the best drum performance they've had on a record. But then he left. Uh, they, they toured for that album, and then he left uh, to join Marduk. Since then, they've had bad luck with drummers, really. Ever since Torturer stepped down as their drummer, you know, they, they had Martin um, Jovanovic, I believe is his last name. Uh, he was their drummer for about five years. But yeah, since then, it's just been kind of live drummer after live drummer. Um, and then especially after Simon left, they've gone back to that again, where it's just a 
constant rotation, it seems, of different drummers for different tours. But recently they've been using uh, this Polish guy, uh, Christoph Klingbein, and I actually bought um, some lessons from him. Not actual one-on-one -on -one lessons, but he made videos for, like, improving your hand technique, you know, blasting techniques, uh, improving double bass work and stuff like that. So he sold them much cheaper than some other drummers do, uh, and he's a very good drummer, so I said, what the hell, this is Price is Right. I could use some sprucing up with my drumming, so I bought his lessons, and I admittedly have not really watched them yet, <laughs> so I need to buckle down. But anyways, he's been doing live drums for them uh, for the last few tours, and I kind of hope he sticks around. But they're releasing a new album. Uh, it's been pushed back a couple times. This new album's called The Devils, and it's now slated to come out on July 29th. Uh, through Nuclear Blast. This is their 12th album overall. I think the delay has been because they want to release it on all formats at the same time, and there's been a delay with getting the uh, the vinyls, I think, back from the, the pressing plant. So yes, that pushed things back to uh, July 29th, but they released a couple of singles off of it. I'm going to play the first single that they released. The second one's a much slower song, maybe a little more boring to kick off the episode, so this one's pretty fast and furious. The person who did session drums on this album is uh, David DePold, and he uh, is perhaps best known for being the current drummer of uh, Obscura, but honestly I've been watching his videos, his drum cam videos and drum covers for years now, and uh, he's, I mean, he's excellent. He was a great choice for, uh, for Obscura, and uh, I think it's pretty cool that he did some session work on this record as well. So you can hear him in action. So here we go, off of the upcoming album, The Devils. This is Belfagor with Totentons, Dance Macabre.
Alright, there we go. That was Belphegor with Totentons, Dance Macabre, off of the Devils. I'm looking forward to that. I, you know, <laughs> I do poke fun at Belphegor sometimes, but I really like them a lot. <laughs> I own several of their albums, um, and I'm looking forward to this one a lot to hear the full thing. Uh, those two singles are pretty good. Like I said, the second one, I can't remember what it's called, but it is a much slower uh, track. They do tend to have one or two of those on each album. Uh, Alright, we're going to the USA here out of Illinois. This band's been around since 2012. They're a four-piece, and they are now signed to the same label as Krigsgrove, so they are now our uh, label mates, and we always try to make a point to um, welcome them and share their stuff, and uh, we kind of view it as a bit of a family. It's a, still a pretty small label and a pretty small roster, so anytime that there's a new signing, we try to kind of uh, get out in front of it, so to speak, and just uh, start sharing any sort of news regarding their upcoming albums and things like that. And then, in turn, they end up doing the same for us as well. So, the band is called Bloodletter, and they are um, very thrashy. I mean, it's just, it's not even really blackened thrash, because there's very little, like, black metal in there, but it's just kind of aggressive thrash, you know what I mean? Um, the vocals are good, he's a little one-dimensional, he just kind of has the one voice, but it's a good voice, like, it works for them. But, um, but yeah, I admittedly had not heard of them. Uh, they've released two records up to this point, the second one came out in September of 2020, uh, it's called Funeral Hymns, and that was released independently. Uh, I need to actually double check, I know, you know, they just signed to to uh, Wise Blood Records, but I'm not sure if they're doing a release of this album, Funeral Hymns, um, like through the label, or if they're just signed for, like, for the next album. I assume it's for the next album, but I'm not totally sure. But yeah, their stuff is out there, it's on Spotify, you can, you know, check it out on their Bandcamp page and things like that. But it's good, um, I do enjoy, I have a whole long playlist of of uh, what I forget what I even called it. I, ma I made the playlist and it's called like brutal, brutal thrash mastery or something like that is what I called it. But it's just all um, thrash bands that are kind of more aggressive vocally um, instead of kind of a more traditional thrash voice. You know, they're a little more extreme. So yeah, this this band fits right in on a playlist like that. So this is up my alley for sure. So haven't heard the debut yet, but this album is pretty killer. So off of the second record, Funeral Hymns, this is Bloodletter with Funeral Bell.
All right, there we go. That was Blood Letter out of Illinois with Funeral Bell. Yeah, like vocally, I get some vibes of like uh, Warbringer. Warbringer would be a pretty good comparison to this band, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I dig some Warbringer. All right, we're going to Germany here. This is a four-piece band, pretty new. They've only been around since 2019. At least that's my guess. Sometimes when you check on like metal archives and stuff like that, it just kind of has a question mark for when they formed. So whenever that's the case, I usually just find whatever their absolute earliest release is, what like their earliest demo, and I just kind of subtract a year from that because I naturally assume they probably released a demo within the first year of existing. So. This band, uh, I believe their first demo was in uh, 2020, so I'm going to guess they've been going at this since 2019, but uh, they released a debut album in May of 2020. The band is called Cold Earth, and their debut album is called Your Misery, My Triumph, and that was released through Soul Records, S-O-L, Soul Records, and... Um, I don't even know how I came across this. I can't recall at all, uh, but it was fairly recent. And it's not blowing my mind or anything like that, but it definitely has a real just cold atmosphere to it as far as the production, really kind of thin guitar sound. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, one of the more recent, I want to say it was Sargeist, one of the more recent Sargeist albums uh, after they got the new singer. But, um, I might, yeah. Am I thinking of Sar? Yeah, it is Sar, guys. Because I always get them kind of mixed up between... They share so many members between Horna, Behexen, and Sargeist. I kind of confuse them sometimes, but no, it is Sargeist I'm thinking of. But yeah, it kind of has that vibe to it. So it is it is definitely not reinventing the genre by any means, both with their aesthetics and the face paint and everything and just the music itself. But it's some good, cold, icy black metal, so... It is what it is. <laughs> when you're in the mood for it, it hits the spot. So I decided to share it with you all. So here we go. Off of the debut album, Your Misery, My Triumph. This is Cold Earth with A Harrowing Gaze of Torment.
That was Cold Earth from Germany with A Harrowing Gaze of Torment off of their debut album. Uh, Yeah, that opening uh, riff really kind of rips off Mayhem. I want to say it's probably uh, Buried by Time and Dust, that opening kind of progression. It's not the same notes, of course, but it just kind of is a very similar riff. So I can hear the similarities there big time. Uh, All right, we're going to Sweden here. This band has been around since 1990. And I love them. And that band is Marduk. And I'm going to play something off the debut. I recently did like a ranking of their albums. Um, Cody, my bandmate, used to do that all the time. He would listen through a full discography uh, for a particular band. And it's usually a band that he's not that familiar with that just got recommended to him. So he'll check out a full discography and then he'll rank it. Um, But he, you know, time is, is... not on his side all the time these days he works pretty late and stuff so he doesn't get to listen to as much uh, as he used to so i'm not doing it just to pick up the slack from cody or whatever i legitimately think that's like a really cool idea and a cool thing to do um so yeah i've been doing the same i haven't really been doing it with like bands that i'm not familiar with i've been doing it more with bands that i know and enjoy but i just haven't listened to in a long time uh not very regularly i guess So I'll just revisit the entire discography and then rank it. So I did that with Marduk, and it really kind of made me fall in love with the debut uh, more than I ever have in the past. You know, I've I've always enjoyed it somewhat, and but I just tend to be a little more focused on different albums. You know, I'm a big fan of the Mortus era, so I listen to a lot of the albums that feature him on vocals as opposed to some of the other stuff. But uh, you know, those of the Unlight was was a favorite of mine for a really long time. And I just kind of ignored the debut, and it's not that I didn't like it. I just, like I said, my attention just seemed to always go elsewhere in the discography. But yeah, listening through it again for this ranking, uh, it really just made me really, really like it, um, probably more than I ever have before. So I'm going to play something off of it right now. Now, that album came out, it was called Dark Endless, and um, it came out in December of 92. That was their debut out of 14, I believe they're up to now. And that came out through No Fashion Records. And um, this was the only album to feature Andreas Axelsson on vocals. uh, Because after that, the drummer, uh, Joachim Grave, took over on uh, vocals. He did drums and vocals on Those of the Unlight. And then switched to just vocals for Opus Nocturne. Uh, But he played drums on this album, but did not sing. So they had Andreas Axelsson singing on this one. And he had a good voice. I mean, I, I, he's not my favorite vocalist in their history or anything like that, but uh, his voice certainly fit the music. And the music still kind of had some death metal going on in there. They hadn't really found that full-blown black metal sound just yet. Um, I think they got closer with uh, the next album, Those of the Unlight. Um, and by the time they put out Opus Nocturne, they had kind of found found the sound that they wanted from there on but uh, yeah there's definitely some death metal uh, still in there on this debut album but i like it i like the blend so here we go off of the debut album dark endless this is marduk with the funeral seemed to be endless
was Marduk with the funeral seemed to be endless yeah that's that's such a good record and it's uh, it's one that I I should have paid more attention to you know years ago um, but I love the production on it and it sounds even better I think they did a remaster of it back in 2007 I want to say uh, and the remastered version sounds great I think that's uh, what I actually pulled this song uh, from was from the remastered version uh, all right, we're going to uh, it's kind of an international project, I guess. There's a, a member from the UK, there's members from Sweden, and then Dave Ingram uh, is doing the vocals, who of course is from the UK, but now lives in Denmark, so it's kind of an international project. Been around since 2015. It is Echelon, and I'm a big fan of Echelon. I'm a big fan of Dave Ingram to begin with, uh, from his work with Bolt Thrower and Benediction, and the fact that he's back in Benediction uh, is excellent and this he's done so many little side projects um, like down among the dead men and let's see he was in just before dawn uh, he was in shit what else hell frost and fire he, he and they're all kind of similar like they're all kind of more primitive straightforward death metal um, which suits his voice, of course, but uh, th there was something about this band that I really liked that set them apart, and it was on their last album, th the first two albums, really, but it takes a very straightforward, satanic approach lyrically, and not just lyrically, but before the songs, they would have samples, and it would be samples from either movies, you know, involving uh, seances or satanic masses and things like that, or... Uh, it would be kind of quotes from uh, from Anton LaVey or audio of him, you know, saying certain things. And it would, that, they would have those before almost every song. So there'd be 10, 15 seconds of, of these spoken word, you know, type things or chants or things like that. And then the song would kick in. But the riffs were great. And I think it's weird because you listen to the old Benediction records and Dave still sounds really good. But I feel like his voice has gotten stronger as time has gone by. Like, he sounds better now than he did in the 90s to me, and uh, I think it's on full display with this band. But um, they just released their third album called Open Wide, The Adamantine Gates, and that was released through Iron Blood and Death Corporation. That's the name of the label. Um, haven't heard of that one, though. But, um, but yeah, they just released a single. They were pretty late in releasing a single. I want to say the single just came out like a week or two ago. And then, bam, the album's out now. So I've yet to check out the full album, but I really do dig uh, the single, so I'm going to play that right now. So here we go, off of the third album that just came out. The album's called Open Wide, The Adamantine Gates. This is Echelon with Into the Trapezoid. Not trapezoid 
There we go. That was Echelon with Into the Trapezoid. I'm definitely going to be checking out the rest of that album now that it is fully released. That'll be something I listen to while I'm working next week, I think. And the front cover actually looks pretty badass. Like, their first couple of albums have just been black and white um, drawings, basically. And uh, this new one has some red, some red and black going on. It looks pretty cool. All right, we're going to Winnipeg in Canada for this next one. This band has been around since uh, 2018. Ooh, I just bumped my mic. Um, they're called Nocturnal Departure, and um, they've released a couple of albums. I'm going to play something off of the debut because it is, frankly, the only one that I've heard. Uh, it's called Cathartic Black Rituals, and that came out in August of 2019, and that was released independently. Uh, they label themselves as black metal, but there are some kind of occasional death metal um, just flashes here and there. You know, usually mostly vocally, uh, he'll you know bust out some some gutturals in there from time to time. But it's very straightforward, very primitive. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good, but it's not a band that I'm just gonna be you know uh, kicking in somebody's door and just being like, you gotta check these guys out. Um, they're fine. <laughs> They're fine. I haven't checked out the second album, though, so I don't know if anything's really different uh, there. It probably sounds about the same. But yeah, it's kind of like what I was saying with Cold Earth, where it's like it's not reinventing the genre, but like if you're just in the mood for this, you're just in the mood to just throw some black metal on, they're, they're good. They're perfect for that. So here we go. Off of the debut, Cathartic Black Rituals. This is Nocturnal Departure with Monolithic Decay. Oh, 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 
All right, there we go. That was Nocturnal Departure from Winnipeg with Monolithic Decay. One thing I really do like about that album is the production. I think it's perfect for their style, for sure, especially the drum sound. I like the drum sound a lot. And that vocalist is pretty strong as well. I like his voice. All right, we're going to Australia. This is a three-piece that's been around since 2019. And... They've been picking up a lot of popularity. Um, I don't really remember the debut, but the second album from a couple years ago, I remember everybody kind of raving about. The band is called Werewolves, and they are very... To me, it's not over-the-top technical, but it is very over-the-top, like in-your-face, wall of sound, just very fast, very intense. Um, The albums are not very long. They're just kind of short and sweet, and they pummel you to death, and then it's over. (laughs) But... They do it really well. As far as that style goes, they do it really well. Um, it's not totally my thing, really. I mean, it, when I'm in the mood for it, it's cool. But uh, but I can see why people who are kind of into this style of death metal um, think that they're pretty, pretty damn cool. So they just released their third album on June 24th, so it's still very fresh. Album's called From the Cave to the Grave. And that was released through uh, Prosthetic Records. And um, I have not given the album, the full album, a listen yet. I've listened to about three songs off of it so far. And my short attention span uh, had me drifting off to listen to something else shortly thereafter. But I need to give the rest of the album a listen. But yes, very intense, very in your face. So here we go, off of the third album, From the Cave to the Grave. This is Werewolves with Crushing Heaven's Mandate.
All right, there we have it. That is Werewolves from Australia with Crushing Heaven's Mandate off of the new album From the Cave to the Grave. Yeah, there's you cannot deny whether you're into that really intense style or not that the riffing is uh, excellent. I think that's really what has uh, garnered them so much attention is that they just have some pretty awesome riffs going on. Um, all right, we're going to go for something a little more epic, a little more melodic here out of Scotland. This band has been around since 2013, and frankly, it's a one-man band uh, that just tends to have some guest musicians in there playing different, uh, more traditional instruments or providing some clean vocals and things like that. Uh, that band is Ser, and Ser is... Um, I, I had to... I looked it up years ago because people didn't know how to pronounce that, and they would say, like, Sour or whatever, you know, it's it's spelled S-A-O-R, and uh, but it's Ser. And... They're great. Uh, I mean, the guy, I think his name's Andy Marshall, if I remember correctly. Uh, very nice guy as well. I've purchased some merch uh, from him and kind of corresponded uh, briefly just at that time, back in like 2015 or whatever. But um, at that point, I think I had just bought the third album, and now we're up to the fifth album here that just came out. Um, but it's great. It's very epic, melodic black metal that has elements of traditional like Scottish music as well so there are bagpipes in there uh, he has gotten more adventurous vocally as far as having like female vocals or other clean vocals and things in there and everything's just kind of gotten a little more grand and big sounding and um, this is another one that kind of falls into the category of it just came out it's on my agenda to listen to this album start to finish, but I just haven't gotten there yet. I've only listened to uh, to this one song that I'm about to play. But uh, yeah, the songs always tend to be long, but like I said, they're just, uh, they kind of need to be. They're, they're just these epic tunes that just kind of take a while to kind of uh, reach their own kind of natural uh, resolution there. But um, but it's really good. He just does a really good job with it. I've, I was never a huge fan of his voice, like his extreme vocals. He has an odd... Um, tone to his voice but that's just a very very minor complaint it's an excellent band um, but yes this new album the fifth album is called Origins and that came out on June 24th as I said through Season of Mist and yeah I really got to listen to the rest of this album but uh, this tune is great so I'm sharing it with you now so here we go off of the album Origins this is Ser with The Ancient Ones
Ah. There we go. Isn't that like a just a musical version of an episode of Outlander, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's excellent. And uh, the production just keeps getting better and better, you know, with them being on Season of Mist. I think they kind of have a little more budget for uh, for mixing and things like that. And uh, this album sounds fantastic. So that was Ser from Scotland with The Ancient Ones. And I wasn't lying, I told you. Very epic. Lots of traditional instruments and things in there. Um, he's really, really gotten good at blending everything seamlessly uh, to where it just doesn't you know, stick out like a sore thumb anytime that these uh, strings or pipes or anything like that come in. It just works really, really well with his music. All right. I'm in the mood for something classic. Very classic, in fact. So, this band first formed in 1970 and um, out of Birmingham in the UK. Judas Priest. Who doesn't love Judas Priest? Um, they made some questionable decisions in the mid to late 80s, <laughs> but for the most part, they have always been uh, very true to form in terms of their metal that they put out. So, I'm going to play something off of an album. Like, I'm, I'm a huge fan. My favorite record of theirs is Stained Class. Um, but I'm not going to play something off of that one today. I'm going to play something off of Hellbent for Leather, which um, came out in the UK first in October of 78 under the name Killing Machine. Uh, I can't remember the label in the UK that released that one, but then for the USA, it didn't get released until 79, and they were told uh, by the label to change the name, so they changed the album name to Hellbent for Leather, so that's just kind of the title that we're used to here in the States. So that was released through Columbia Records here in the USA, and that was their fifth album at the time. Uh, they're up to 18 now, working on number 19, which is insane. But um, this one was great because they really started to find that kind of biker leather and chains and studs, you know, look uh, that they're still known for today. And they were just writing catchier and catchier songs. The songs were getting a little shorter and a little more focused. And they still had less binks on um, on drums. He did drums on Stained Class as well. But he was great. Very talented. Uh, kind of had a little bit of a, of a jazzy flair to him, you know. And he would get a little fancy with ghost notes and things like that. Which isn't that fancy. But at the time, you know, it was, it was kind of fancy, I guess. But it was after this album is when I think the label and their management both said, I think you should get somebody that's a little more stripped down and straightforward. Uh, and kind of groove oriented and less fancy and that's when they uh, fired Les Binks for really no reason other than just being told that they should uh, and then they hired Dave Holland who stayed with them uh, for a really long time who was a much more kind of straightforward drummer but I like Les Binks drumming a lot and I think that he does an excellent job on this album so this is kind of that perfect kind of turning point album for them where they kind of were transitioning to this new look and new sound but they still had that touch of 70s, you know, from the drumming. Um, this is the opening track off of it, and it sets the tone really well for the album, and it's one that gets stuck in my head all the time. I was singing it just yesterday to my son's cat in the kitchen while cooking. So <laughs> here we go. A nice classic track off of uh, 1979's Hellbent for Leather. This is Judas Priest with Delivering the Goods.
Judas Priest with Delivering the Goods. Excellent record. And then, of course, they went on to, like, massive fame with the following album, British Steel. Um, all right, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to Brazil here. This band formed in 1990, and they are probably one of the bigger death metal bands to come out of Brazil. Obviously, Sepultura kind of reigns supreme down there, and, you know, Sarcophago to a lesser extent with kind of the underground and the old school black metal scene and all that. 
Um, but yeah, in terms of just like straight up death metal, um, this band has got to be pretty up, up towards the top, I would say. That is Chrissian. And I enjoy Chrissian, but they're a band that I can't listen to all the time because their stuff all starts to kind of sound the same after a while. Um, they do kind of copy themselves a lot <laughs> with certain drum patterns and, and certain guitar riffs that while they might not be copying the same notes, they're structured the same. You know what I mean? So like the, there's a lot of songs that have really similar feel to them because they just tend to copy themselves a lot. But that being said, you know, I kind of kept up with them for a while, probably up until like 2010 or so, and then I just kind of fell off and didn't really pay much attention to what they were putting out. Uh, my son has become a fan, which is hilarious to just to say out loud because he's five. But of course, I've told you guys in previous episodes that he's all about watching like drum cam videos and things. And he sees when one video ends, he sees the related videos and says, who's that guy? I want to watch that one, you know. So he learns about all these different drummers just from that. But uh, he has watched uh, Max from Chrisian. Uh, drumming and he thinks he's pretty awesome so he's asked me to put some Chrisian on his little Spotify playlist that I have uh, for him to just drum along to in the back seat of the car <laughs> so yeah they released um, a new single and uh, I let my boy hear it and he thought it was cool but I like it too it sounds a little different for them kind of like it still very much sounds like Chrisian but um, maybe it's just the production I'm liking a lot here because uh, their production seems to change from album to album. They don't really have that real consistent uh, sound, but um, the production seems to suit the music really perfectly uh, for this single, at least. So I'll check out the album when it comes out. The album's called Mortem Solace, and that's coming out on July 29th through Century Media, and this is going to be their 12th album, which is hard to uh, believe that they're they're up to that many at this point. I first heard them back in 2003, I guess it was, with that album Works works of carnage which i still like that record but yes this single um i don't remember if they've released one more off of it i think they have but uh this single kicks all the ass i would say it's a pretty damn cool song so here we go off of the new album mortem solace this is chrissian with sworn enemies Yeah. 
right. That was Chrissian from Brazil with Sworn Enemies. I really like Chrissian. Um, I played a show with them once back in maybe 2006, maybe? It was at the old Galaxy Club in Dallas, which has been closed for a very, very long time. Um, it was bigger than it needed to be, for sure. But um, I typically only saw local shows and stuff there. But um, there was the occasional, you know, touring band that would come through and play there. And we did a show, it was my band back then called Obsidian Throne. We did a show that was kind of meant to be like a festival. So they set up like a temporary second stage kind of off to the side. Because the main stage was fairly big. It was very tall, I remember, pretty high up. But, um, but yeah, some of the, you know, notables on that tour, uh, I think Chrisian was headlining... Uh, Decapitated was on it, and uh, Abysmal Dawn, I think, was on it, and I can't remember who the opening band was. Uh, I want to say there was four bands in that touring package, so they had four locals on there as well to play the second stage, and they would just kind of bounce back and forth. You know, somebody would finish on the second stage, then somebody on the main stage would start. Um, I remember that being very high pressure because we were hanging out in the backstage area, which was just kind of an open loading dock type area, you know, it wasn't really roped off or anything, but yeah, you see the guys from Chrissian back there kind of warming up and stuff like that, um, and then whenever Obsidian Throne performed, I want to say we played maybe third on that second stage, um, whenever we played, uh, the guys from Decapitated were just standing next to the drum riser, pretty much, they were right off the side of the stage, and they were just kind of watching me, um, Vitek and Vog, you know, their brothers. And they were just sitting there, kind of shoulder to shoulder, arms folded, just kind of watching the show from right next to me. So that was no pressure at all, of course. Uh, but whenever we were done, they they shook my hand and they were like, great, that was great, man, you know. But um, that's the thing, like, I was not, like, close or anything with Vitek, but whenever he passed... It affected me because I we had played maybe three shows, like opening for Decapitated, and every single time I would encounter him, whether he's warming up, you know, with his little practice uh, kick drum pad, and he'd have his pedals hooked up to it, just kind of warming up his feet, uh, and I, I would chat with him, not for super long, but it'd just be like five minutes of small talk or whatever, and and um, and we'd tell him good luck with the with the set, and he'd say thanks and. So yeah, super nice guy and always uh, willing to chat. And uh, so yeah, that really sucked whenever he died. But uh, anyways, back to Christian here is they were headlining. And I remember being really pissed off because I was excited to finally see them play. But I did not have a truck. I just had a small car. So I played drums. So I would hitch a ride with our guitar player in his big truck. He would have his gear back there and we'd put my drums in the back of the truck. And then we'd ride out together. Um... So yeah, he he had a very big truck, so it had, you know, you could seat five people in there. So he brought his girlfriend, I don't believe they were married at the time, but um, so she rode as well. And then yeah, after I think Decapitated played, because they played right after us, I believe Decapitated did. And then um, Christian was getting ready, like setting up, and then his girlfriend was like, I want to go home. So she was tired and wanted to go, so of course the guitarist said, well, we're leaving, we're going to load up the stuff, so I had no choice because they were my ride. I had to load up my drums and leave before Chrisian played, so that really sucked. But I finally got to see them live um, 
a few years back in Dallas um, at the Gas Monkey Bar and Grill. They were on the tour uh, with Suffocation for Frank, um, Frank Mullen's final tour. So they were, uh, they were on that one, so I finally got to see them for myself live. And they were great. That's my long Crisian story. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on here to the USA out of California. This band formed in 97, and there's no real clear answer as to when they stopped. It just kind of fizzled out in the late 90s. The band is called Scythe, and they feature... I think the person who played drums on this album actually played drums for Deeds of Flesh uh, shortly after this band kind of dissolved. But Scythe only released one album. There's no demo, there's no EPs, there's nothing. There's just this debut, full length, and then nothing. So the album's called Undead Infantry, and it came out in November of 99 through Metal Militia Records. And great cover art. The production is very quintessential, like 90s death metal. And it kind of has, like, I get some Deicide vibes at times. But it's just kind of has a sound all its own. And if you told me that it was kind of out of a Swedish scene I would kind of get that as well it's not as melodic as the Swedish stuff but um, I don't know it's just pretty solid 90s death metal to me but um, yeah for whatever reason it just didn't last but it's a cool record it's out there hard to find but it's on YouTube um, so you can check it out there but uh, yeah here we go off of the one and only album Undead Infantry this is Scythe with Diabolical Sacrament which frankly sounds like a, an incantation song to me. <laughs>
Alright, there we go. That was the uh, mostly unknown American death metal band Scythe from the late 90s with Diabolical Sacrament. Again, that album's called Undead Infantry and they have it kind of pieced out, you know, song by song and they also have it as just the full album on YouTube if you want to check it out. Otherwise, it's pretty hard to come by. Uh, Alright, we're going to Sweden here. This is a Doom band that has been around since 94. Although it took them a while to finally release an album. But um, they've become one of my favorite Doom bands over the years. That band is Draconian. And I am not... There are bands that I like in this style, but I'm not like the biggest fan of the super gothic uh, Doom stuff. You know, I love My Dying Bride and things like that. But the gothic in terms of like when they have a lot of female vocals and things like that, uh, I'm typically not really big on that, but uh, Draconian has always done it so well that I can't help but uh, but be a fan. I really, really enjoy their stuff. Their singer, female singer, because they have a male and female singer, it's almost, I, I refer to it as a uh, Beauty and the Beast vocal attack there where you'll have the pretty female vocals followed by the harsh you know guttural nasty male vocals and um and they've you know done that to perfection for years but the female vocalist lisa she left um i think she worked in a she's opened her own flower shop or something like that she just kind of was kind of bored of you know the the grind of going on tour and all that kind of stuff and and she just kind of lost the uh, the love for it so she left and they held some auditions and they hired a South African singer named Heike. And she's great. I mean, she suited them looks-wise especially as well. You know, she uh, was very thin and pale with black hair. And she had a beautiful voice. So she did vocals, female vocals, on the last two albums, uh, which are some of my favorites that they've ever done. Not necessarily because of the vocalist change, but uh, just everything. The production, the songs songs were excellent the last album especially uh, under a godless veil is one of my favorite doom albums ever i might say because it's it's not just straight up heavy gothic doom they kind of explored some different more melodic and almost ambient territory with some of it um and it's really good but uh recently heike has left the band um She's, you know, had a, a relationship going with this guy, Mike Lamb, who I believe was based out of New Zealand. So it's just all over the place, long distance. Because she, when she joined the band, she moved from South Africa to Sweden and then uh, went back to South Africa during the pandemic because, you know, she just wanted to be around her family. And uh, she's since reconnected with uh, this guy, Mike, who she had a long distance relationship going for a while there. And now they are together, um, engaged, I believe, and they're living in Germany. So this is just kind of their next chapter because they do a couple of musical projects together. So they're kind of focusing their efforts on that. And I think she's an artist as well, like a digital artist. Um, so yeah, they're just kind of focusing on that stuff. So she decided to leave uh, Draconian. And in a full circle moment, they announced that Lisa is coming back. <laughs> so... They just did a big show, I can't remember which festival it was, where they had both of those ladies on stage, and it was meant to be Heike's uh, 
final gig and Lisa's big return. So there were a couple of songs where they both were singing together, and there was a couple of songs that, you know, they just kind of handed it the reins back over to Lisa. So it was a cool moment that they were able to do that, and, you know, the fact that it's all just a very cordial thing. Nobody got fired or is pissed off about it or anything like that. Um, it was just kind of a nice handing of the torch. So yes, I'm going to play something from the Lisa days back in the day. Something off of their second album, which happens to be uh, my favorite of theirs still to this day. The album's called Arcane Rain Fell, and that came out in 05 through Napalm Records. Uh, this one I even think they did a music video for, but I've just always really loved this tune. Um, the whole album is really strong and really melancholic. Um, it's good rainy day music, I'd say. So here we go, off of 2005's Arcane Rain Fell. This is Draconian with Heaven Laid in Tears.
And there we have it. That is Draconian with Heaven Laid in Tears off the album Arcane Rain Fell. Um, as the years have gone by, they've kind of gotten even less like pretty with some of the piano stuff. Like it's still, they still have keys and things in there, but uh, it seems to be more guitar focused and just focused on being just kind of real, real heavy. Uh, but then, like I said, the newest album has those moments, uh, parts of songs where everything will kind of calm down, all the instruments, and it'll just be some really gentle strings and then just the female vocals over it, and it's just kind of these real ethereal moments in there. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of anxious to see what they do with the next one with Lisa back and all that. Um, okay, we're going back to Australia here. We played Werewolves earlier, but now we're going back. This is a two-piece that's been around since 94 called Abominator. And it features uh, a current member and a former member of the band Cemetery Urn, who I'm familiar with. And I've played on uh, a much older episode of the podcast before. Uh, but yeah, Abominator just plays some really nasty, raw, kind of thrashy death metal and uh, it's just nasty. It's just nasty music. <laughs> and so it's kind of right in line with Cemetery Urn. Cemetery Urn, funny enough, I saw them play in Fort Worth at this place that I cannot even call a venue. Like, I want to say it was at like a, like a storage facility or next to a storage facility or something like that. But it was just a room. It was just a big room and all it had was a microphone and a couple of PA speakers set up just for you to be able to hear the vocals and other than that it was just just you're just in the you're just watching them rehearse pretty much but I remember it being just a train wreck of a show everything was way delayed with starting the show and you know the opening band not being there on time and then somebody knocked over an amp and broke the amp and they're trying to fix it and trying to borrow someone else's amp it was a nightmare, so it was a BYOB affair, so we all just kind of stood outside drinking. So we just basically just stood outside, beer in hand, for like the whole damn night, and it was just... I don't even remember if I saw Cemetery Urn play, honestly. I just had a few beers, hung out for a while, and then once things looked like the, uh, the train had fully come off the track, and it was just a disaster, I was like, I think I'm going to go. But I don't think they went on until like 1 30 in the morning like is when they started so I was just even at my young age I was too damn tired to hang out for that but anyways this band Abominator they have released five records up to this point uh, I'm gonna play something off of the most recent one came out in 2015 and it was their first one in nine years so there was a pretty significant gap there but this one they all have really raw production this one is still raw but it's much more um coherent <laughs> it's it's still raw, but you can still hear things uh, pretty clearly, like more so than on some older albums of theirs. So the album's called Evil Proclaimed, and that came out in 2015 through Hell's Headbangers Records. And this, like I said, is just kind of the most uh, listenable out of all of them. But it's just some good, nasty, thrashy death metal. They do it really well. So here we go. Off of the album Evil Proclaimed, this is Abominator with The Brimstone Nucleus. <laughs> I'm the absolute 
Night. That was Abominator from Australia with the Brimstone Nucleus. All right, it is that time for me to announce the final song of the episode. As always, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks for telling other people about the podcast. Uh, If you want to tell someone where they can listen, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com or on the free Podbean app, and of course the entire catalog of episodes is also on Spotify, so you can find it and follow it there. And let's see, any sort of feedback, requests, uh, insults, you can email me at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And of course, please find and like the Facebook page, because any sort of updates or you know news, anything about future episodes, any uh, poll questions for you guys, the audience... Uh, It's all going to be posted there. Uh, If you think I should start an Instagram page for the podcast, just give me some feedback on that. I don't know if it's necessary, but I don't know. Maybe it'll help me get some more listeners. Who knows? It's hard to keep up with all this stuff. Um, I have, you know, I did the the In Memoriam episode, um, but I think I'm going to do a part two of that. Uh, There's just so many that I could have put in uh, in that episode that I left off, so I, I've got enough to do a part two, uh, so I think I'm going to do that fairly soon. I don't think it's going to be the next episode, but maybe by episode 124 uh, I'll do that theme again, and we'll just kind of revisit that and do a part two, uh, but for the next few I should be able to do everything on time, and, uh, and they'll just be kind of normal episodes for the next couple. So... We're going to Germany here to finish things off. A two-piece black metal band, but it's more of an epic style of black metal. Been around since 2000. That band is Morrigan, and I really love this band. Very heavily Bathory influenced, but it's just kind of like... Kind of sloppy, but not in a detrimental way. It's just kind of adds to this kind of underground feel of this band. Um, I first heard them uh, on an album from 2003 called Celts. And that's probably still their most like epic one that they released. Um, I first heard them maybe 2010, so by then they had already released like five or six albums uh, before I ever discovered them. But I remember being very excited to find the CD of that album, Celts, and I bought that one and the one that fall, uh, came after it called Head Cult. Um, I bought both of those at a record shop in, uh, in Dublin when I was there in 2013. So that was a good find. But, uh, yeah, they released another album in 2013. I can't remember what it was called, but I was excited because it was their first one in, like, six years at the time. And it just wasn't very good. I don't know what it was about it, but it just didn't resonate with me. And I was like, man, that stinks. But they got a new drummer in 2014 because, frankly, the drumming was was definitely a weak spot for them. It was always very sloppy. Uh, But now they have a a real, like, just proper drummer. Uh, He's much better. And uh, they just released a new album very unexpectedly. I didn't know it was coming until about like a week before it came out. Um, the new album's called Onwin, A-N-W-Y-N-N. So this is their first one with the new drummer, and it's their first one in nine years. So it's their eighth album overall, and it just came out on June 24th of this year through Werewolf Records. They own a record label of their own, but uh, I guess they don't release it through their own label. They still have a deal with another, another party. But, um, yes, another little fun fact here. They actually, I say they've been around since 2000, but truly they existed 
from 92 until 2000 under the name Mayhemic Truth. Um, and that was more kind of just straight up black metal. It was a little less epic. And then in 2000, they changed the name to Morrigan. So they've been around a long time. There's really just the one original member now, uh, since it is a two-piece. There's the one original guy and then the new drummer right now. But uh, yes, I checked out this, uh, this new album the day it came out. Very excited. Listened to the whole thing twice that first day. And it's great. It's great. Um, the epic songs are really epic and really well done. And then they still kind of go to these more aggressive, more black metal focused songs. Um, just kind of peppered in throughout. And they're really good. I'm going to play one of the more epic ones. I believe it's the first like proper track. There's an intro. But this is the first like proper track on the album, and it just sets the tone really well. The Bathory influence is uh, very heavily there. But yeah, they're a great band that not a lot of people really know about um, because they're just not very prolific. But um, but yeah, they're one of my favorites. I really really like them a lot. So I'm happy I got a new a new album of theirs to listen to. So here we go. Let's finish strong. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. So off of the new album, On Win, this is Morrigan with Herald of the Sleep. Cheers. (laughs) 